All right, today's episode is brought to you by Conor McGregor, probably. Oh, it smells like shit. <laughs> Sorry, Conor. <laughs> oh, that's not going to be fun. I'm going to keep my drink over here so that I can take sips of it and be a nice little chaser. Yeah, we're going to pull the drink in close. I don't feel ready. Neither do I, but I feel like we should just... We have to. Just pop the cherry. Yeah. Let's do it, dude. Take your shot, dude. Shot one. That lingers. Dude. <laughs> Every single muscle in my face tightens. Well, you know, if whiskey makes muscles tighten, I got somewhere else I should probably put it. <laughs> Where, Dwight? That was painful. It like spread like wildfire right into my sinuses. I'm ready. I want to get it over with. Onto the good stuff. Let's do it. Pick it up. Don't sniff it. No sniffing. <sighs> Don't do that. Shot two. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Oh, oh that's <laughs> I can't. Good job. <laughs> it hurts. Filled up with that McGregor shit, dude. You're spilling! Look what you've done! I'm scared. I'm not. Let's get it over with. Let's be done. This is gonna hurt. Yeah, it is. Don't be a baby about it. Here we go. We're going to yeah. take this shot. Here we go to take this fucking shot. It's a... Three third. shots in podcast. <laughs> and it's shot three. It's Justin Jake here. Oh my God, shut up. Just take it. <laughs> I don't wanna... All right, here we go. Shot three. Shot three. Ha. Oh... God. Heinous. It's like Darth Vader in the background. Jessica, <laughs> I am your brother. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Yes. <laughs> you even sound a little robotic. Do it there. one more time and then say, search your feelings. What? Search your feelings. I judge you. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Three Shots In. I'm Jake. I'm Jess. We are siblings, and we are here to bring you the 19th, I believe, episode <laughs> of our lucrative and successful podcast. Oh, super successful. We're super blowing successful up over here. And super I don't even lucrative. know how to handle it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we just took shots of Conor McGregor's, I think it, it's- What is it? Is the proper? official name Proper 12? Proper 12. Proper 12. Yeah, that's- uh, Whiskey. That's the sounds that you heard <laughs> not 10 seconds ago. Uh, all in all, pretty rough. Yeah, rough. Uh, more rough or less rough than the Jack Daniels? More rough than Jack Daniels. Really? Yes. More? Yes. See, the Jack Daniels happened to get me on a day that we had done like multiple episodes. That's true. Like it was like our third or fourth day recording and I was already feeling like gross. Yeah. And then the Jack Daniels did not help that. But this all in all was, in my opinion, the taste is better than Jack Daniels. This one, this whiskey, this Conor McGregor whiskey. But the aftertaste and the burn was so extreme that I was not a fan. Uh, it wasn't a pleasant afterburn. <laughs> yeah, no. But I, uh, the chaser got rid of it pretty quick. And by chaser, I just mean our regular drink. But uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought. It hits pretty hard. I'm already feeling a little loopy. Oh, yeah. I'm not warm definitely. yet. But I'm not warm yet, but I'm, I'm having trouble grasping my thoughts. Um, I personally just think da Jack Daniels is worse. This wasn't great. It wasn't good, but Jack Daniels was worse for me. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention, this was a whiskey that was gifted to us by our father. Mm-hmm, he stopped in for a few hours, say hello. 
visited as uh, he and his lovely bride were traveling, traveling through the states as they do. Uh, tonight we are drinking rum and thunders. Rum and thunders, but this, we didn't we didn't have yeah, limes this time. Minus and the lime, I definitely missed them. Uh, not so bad though, even without them. Definitely yeah. still delicious and. I mean, that's not saying a whole lot, but they were way better to drink than the shots of Conor McGregor's Proper 12. Damn straight. (laughs) I think that'd be hard to find a drink that's harder to drink than Proper 12. If you're not subscribed to us on Patreon, you're missing out. That's true. We set uh, material aside, and by material, I just mean, you know, Jacob and I being drunk. We, We rabbit trail or derail, however you may want to phrase it. And we set those aside, at least the good, coherent stuff. (laughs) Yeah, the stuff that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and also the non-political stuff, because we're not immune. We go on tangents about like, you know, oh, I'm pissed about this and politics, blah, blah, blah. We don't want this podcast to be about that. So that gets removed because no thanks. But everything else we set aside and edit just like a regular episode. And then we post it on Patreon for everybody to listen to. Super funny. I enjoyed it. And then 4th of July happened. Yeah, it did. And we recorded our 4th of July extravaganza episode, a private podcast episode, and posted it on Patreon for our patrons. www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash three shots in. The topic of this episode is... This was semi-suggested by our good friend Samantha. She suggested missing persons or what is it? It's people lost, people who got lost. Survived the the wilderness. Yeah, survived in the wilderness, got lost and survived or whatever. Um, We thought thought like, fuck that Bear Grylls shit. (laughs) Let's do some just straight up, I survived. Just some some horror stories that these people should not have lived through, yet somehow they did. Right, absolute traumatic experiences because you know how we do on this podcast we go ham oh that's right that's right we go ham yeah so here we go this is this is based off of her suggestion people lost in the wilderness who survived yeah you say here we go but we're not actually going to start that we're going to do the wheel spin so spin it Oh, speaking of Sam, this one was sent in by her husband. By her husband? Is that TJ? That is from TJ. No, her other husband, actually. Oh. Yeah. Wait, we don't talk about him. No. JT. T. T. (laughs) (laughs) He also has- evil twin. He has a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Who would you be- in a Joe Exotic sitcom. A Joe Exotic sitcom. I'm, I'm not sure I know what that means. I, I think we can take it two ways. Okay. So you'll have to answer two things. First, who who would you play if you were an actor? If you were to portray someone in the sitcom, who would you be portraying? Then number two, in the real Joe Exotic situation, <laughs> who would you actually be? Okay. 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 So we're going to get a like a... Like a who I've got do you, it right. I've got it right. Who do you away. look like and will play ish? Yeah. And who would you have actually been? Right. In the situation. Um, see the person I would I would I would play. Yeah. I think is closer to the person I actually look like. And that's that bitch Carol Baskin. That, that bitch Carol Baskin. You seem to put on an extra like two hundred pounds. Just, well, and then I, you can do it. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh just wear all cat print 
you know, things, you know, tiger print yeah. headband. And then I've got the leopard print and button up. And then for no reason at all, the snow leopard sweatpants call you all cool cats and kittens. Oh yeah. I would, I would work that I'd play it well, but who would I actually be? Yeah. I think I'd be the one armed lesbian zoo. Oh, attendee. Zoo attendant. Yeah. Huh? I don't know. I don't know that you're that badass. She was badass, man. She was like, nah, man, just cut it off so I can go back to work. Like, that was dope. I mean, I kind of feel like if my arm was mangled, I'd just be like, I mean, just get rid of it. Mm. Like, what's better? This (laughs) 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 or this? You know, do I want a stump or do I want the claw? The, like, T-Rex arm? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'm, I'm set. I think I'd be with her. Like, nah, just chop it off. It's cool. Okay. So when it comes to me, who would I portray in the show? I think... I think I could do, uh, I could do pretty well. Uh, remember the, remember the really douchey guy that came in with all the money Yeah. and like quote unquote saved the place, but then like kind of stole it also, but then was kind of like tied up in all sorts of other weird schemes and things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would portray him pretty well. Yeah. That like absolute tool who's like 30 years older than his wardrobe. Yes. Yeah. And his wife. And his wife. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I could do that pretty well. Yeah. Um, Creep on all your babysitters. And then as far as who would I be in a Joe Exotic situation? <laughs> you're laughing because you already, you're already thinking <laughs> I'd be one of his meth husbands. <laughs> <laughs> like, we both know I'd be one of the meth husbands. Like, wow, am I gay? I don't know. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Let's do some meth. I'd probably be a meth husband. Um, If I was not a meth husband, then... I feel like there's a chance that in the actual, like, for real Joe Exotic universe, which exists. Yeah. It's a real thing. That was was our universe. Even watching the documentary, it seemed like it wasn't real. But I think in that universe, you there's a chance you could be the guy who was like advising his political campaign. Yeah, like the like only the, sound-minded person. The, the dweeby. Who was just kind of along for the ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could do that. Either that or meth husband. Moving on <laughs> to the topic. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to the topic of the night, which was these people somehow survived. Now, uh, before we started recording, you asked me what kind of survival story mine was yeah yeah yeah. was it like a like a you know we went hiking and got lost and ended up in the middle of some forest for like a month you kind of made it sound like what you were asking was was it like survival one or was it like someone got kidnapped and was in a basement for 10 years or whatever well yeah yeah because then there's also the like i survived you know like i said like kidnapped for like 10 years and they somehow escaped there's also the like one night attacks of like brutal oh, violence yeah, yeah, that yeah. they somehow survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's um, multiple different things. Sure. Um. So, am I going first this episode? You are. So my my survival story is a wilderness story for sure. Like a like a bear grills. Um, kinda. Except bear grills is totally fake and doesn't actually do any of the things he says. Oh, Although so like- he may have legitimately drank his own pee. That's not confirmed as fake. Could be real. Yeah. Who knows? He seems the type. Survive, adapt, overcome. Yep. Sip your pee. (laughs) (laughs) He probably Um, drinks it from the tap. His pee? Yep. He saves it. He's got a a reserve. Straight out the tap. He's like, "Mm, no, no. This is 86. (laughs) No, out the tap. 
he what like yogas into yeah, position yeah, yeah. and like drinks straight out of his wiener. Yeah. <laughs> like he does the thing where he like like his legs are like over by his ears. Right. And it's just hanging right above him. Uh-huh. He's got to use a couple fingers or, or his hand to just kind of angle it right. Uh-huh. And then just opens wide and just... Maybe. Straight from the Maybe tap. Maybe he does. Yeah. He's just practicing for survival because he's so rich he wouldn't need to. True. In order to stay hydrated. Yeah. He I can mean, afford all the Fijis he wants. You'd think he would have like a life straw at this point. <laughs> right? Like... It's Filter his the, own pee the little as straw, it's coming out. The little straw that you can like into any source of water <laughs> and it clear it cleans it and you drink filtered water. Yep. Uh you think he'd have one if he was a survival Honestly, genius. I don't have a penis, so this could never be possible. But if I did, I'd at least want to just see if it worked. If you could pee in your mouth? But through the the filter Through the straw, life straw? The magic straw. I mean that'd be that'd be tough. It's I don't know. I don't be, know that it's possible. It's supposed. Oh, it's possible for someone. You can't yoga your way into that position, but somebody I don't know. Can. I probably can now. It's got to definitely do some, not. You're like one some, of the. You're one of the stretching, <laughs> and then I could do it. Look at that. Look at that stretch, man. It's not a good stretch. <laughs> your face. It was painful, actually. <laughs> you're one of the least flexible people I know. That's true. But anyway, my my story is about. Just we'll jump right in. It's about Simon Simpson. Oh, nope. Mixed up the names. Joe Simpson and Simon Yates. There we go. I was like, Simon Simpson? Like, his parents fucked him over. That's for <laughs> sure. But we're good. Simon Yates. Simon Yates and Joe Simpson. They were British mountain climbers. Joe was only 25 years old. Simon was 21. And in 1985, they decided to be the very first to climb Ooh. the western face of the Ciula Grande mountain in the Cordillera Huayhuash. <laughs> what? I'm pronouncing it correctly. I'm I'm extremely certain. I'm very confident in that, but it's just difficult to say. I kind of want you to see it and try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay. So it's the one, two, it's a third line. On the Sula Grande mountain in the Cordillera Huayhuash. No, I feel like you don't pronounce the Y. Huayhuash. Of the Peruvian Andes. You did pronounce the Y. I meant the H. Y wash. Like you don't pronounce the H or something. That makes sense. Sula Grande Y wash. wash. Yeah. The Cordillera Y wash. Cordillera. Cordillera. Cordillera Y wash. Cordillera. Of the Peruvian Andes. Yeah. Uh, so you hear Peru. It's doesn't, it kind of comes across to me at first like a warm place. It's not a place I've ever been. And I'm not actually sure where it is geographically, but the Andes, you obviously. Know where Peru is? No, I, I really don't. I, I don't ever pay attention to geography because I, right. I don't care about it. Imagine South America. Yes. Now put your left hand on the left side of South America. Mm -hmm. You're touching all of Peru. It literally is a strip that runs all the way down. Oh, wow. Like the entire coast. Okay. Well, the Peruvian Andes, uh -huh. super cold, covered yeah. in snow. The Ciula Grande, um, the west face of it at least, is almost 21,000 feet high. And Joe and Simon wanted to be the very first to ever climb it because by 1985, absolutely nobody had. Why? I don't know. No, there's a reason. There isn't. People have done Everest. I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. Like nobody, okay. just nobody had before. They decided since nobody had, how fucking tight would it be if we did? Yeah. So they did it and they did do it successfully. They made it all the way to the top. They decided, hey, since we're up here, let's descend the northern side of the mountain rather than go back the way we came. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the details behind that. 
uh, for whatever reason, that seemed like the better option for them. No problem. I, I didn't investigate further. Um, now, as they are descending the northern face of the Ciula Grande mountain, Joe falls down a, I don't know how to pronounce this. I should have looked it up. Is it cornice? Cornice? Cornice crevice. Now, what a cornice crevice is, and I may be pronouncing it incorrectly. A that's cor- an- Cornice. Cornice. Eyes. It's N-I-C-E. Cornice. Cornice crevice. Yeah. An overhanging pile of snow on the crest of a ridge kind of makes it look like the ridge continues when it does not. Oh, no. Yeah. So he took a wrong step. Yeah. He falls down and shatters his right leg. <sighs> The whole leg shattered. The whole, <laughs> the whole leg shattered. Um, so now Joe and Simon are panicking. A broken leg during a mountain climb usually leads to death. Yeah. But also, uh, they are very low on fuel. They have like a camp stove. Uh huh. Um, they're super low on fuel for that, and they basically depend on that in order to melt ice for drinkable water. So yikes. Because he broke his leg, that basically means the trip down the opposite side of the mountain or down the northern side of the mountain is now going to take like minimum twice as long. Yeah. Something like that. They're low on fuel. They hoped that by this time they would be way further down than they are. Uh huh. Or at least would be able to travel at the exact same speed. Now they're going to have to slow down significantly. They're a little worried. Um, I also have a note here. It's obviously hydration is important. Like they're hiking all day long. Right. But it's especially important at high altitudes. So Joe falls. His whole right leg shatters. The sun is going to set soon and the sky is already turning dark as a storm is rolling in. Oh. Now they are forced to continue with low visibility. That's fun. Yeah. They had fine visibility and look what happened. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What are they going to do with low visibility? Yeah. So now there's a blizzard. Yeah. The next point they have to reach, okay, and I guess what they're what they're trying to move toward is a base camp they've set up for themselves. So they planned this beforehand, I assume, that they were going to go up the western face, go down the northern side, and they left a camp for themselves there. Okay, a little checkpoint. Little checkpoint. Not quite at civilization, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of assume it's like a halfway point, like it's a little safer from the cold, but it's not quite there. It's a place for them to just kind of recoup and then keep going. That point is a glacier about 3000 feet down from where they are, from where Joe has shattered his leg. They set up a campsite on a glacier. They did. That doesn't sound very wise. No, Uh, but I don't know anything about climbing. So how would I know? It's a good point. Now. Uh, Joe is obviously in a lot of pain. He can't move too much. He decides on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> they decide that it is best to lower Joe down the threes out 3000 feet in stages. So basically, yeah. okay. basically the way that this is going to work. Sounds like you need a team of people to do that. No, because what they had with them, they each had their own uh, device, which is called a belay device. And it's basically like you've seen people like doing rock wall climbing and like gyms and stuff. It's like the the stuff that isn't that scary like because to, there's like a pad at the bottom. Yeah. It's that. Uh, Repel. Yeah. Yeah. It's that thing that makes it so that if you have a partner, they can not using a whole lot of their own strength, make sure that you're not going to fall. 
Mm-hmm. So you can hang and the rope is tied into this device that's like attached to their like body. Yeah. And they can, you know, give it some leeway and you'll drop down a little bit more. And that's how they can kind of monitor your speed coming down or going up or whatever, making sure that you're stable. You're not going to fall. And it's minimal like physical exertion on your partner's part. Mm-hmm. So they'll do it like 150 feet or so at a time. That's how much rope they have for each person. So they knot that together. However, they run into equipment malfunction with the belay device. Now they can't use Joe's. Okay. So they have Simon's. Simon is able to use one. Joe is basically just tied on the other end of this rope. No belay device to speak of. Okay. They wrap one end around Simon, wrap the other end around Joe and begin to lower him. Now, I kind of figure the way that this is working is that at the end of like 150 feet, he waits for Joe to find like a stable spot. You know, like he still has the use of his arms and a single leg. Uh He finds a spot where he can kind of like sit so that his weight isn't on the rope anymore. And then Simon can use his device and rappel down. Okay. Then once he's reached the same place that Joe is at, like they reset the ropes basically, and then Joe is lowered down again. And they kind of do that in steps on the way down the mountain. Okay. Um, Now this works for a while. However, the storm's getting worse, getting closer. Pretty soon they can barely see. At some point, as Simon is lowering Joe, Simon gets abruptly yanked down and has to brace himself to keep from falling down the down the side of this mountain. Oh. As Simon was lowering Joe, Joe had been inadvertently lowered over a massive cliff face. Oops. Totally flat, totally steep. He can't brace himself on anything and he is just fully dangling now. So all of his weight is on Simon. Yeah. Simon is holding the both of them up and he's trying to figure out what to do next. Does he swing him? Over an hour passes. Oh. He's holding position, worried that if he moves too much, either he will slip or the equipment will give out. Mm-hmm. Because Joe's just totally not supported by anything. It is only the rope that's keeping Joe from falling. And the rope is fully dependent on Simon. Right. And whatever, like, I don't really yeah. know, like what equipment they have at their disposal, but... Either way, Simon has no idea what to do. After an hour, after this hour passes, both of their hands are badly frostbitten. Ah. The blizzard is piling snow onto them, so things are getting heavier. Simon is losing strength in his body, and their equipment, which was already having problems, is about ready to give out. The storm is only getting worse. Right. Simon pulls a knife, and he cuts the rope. Shit. He drops him, because they're at basically an impasse. He can't move. It's too heavy for him. He's exhausted. They've been hiking all day. He's been sitting there for over an hour trying to figure out what to do. He cuts Yikes. It. He cuts it. Joe plummets over 150 feet down. Yikes. Into a deep crevice. Another one. An, a second <laughs> crevice. <laughs> After doing this, Simon finds, I don't know, I guess like a, a safer place Um, and he digs a snow cave for himself. So I just assume that means like a hole in the snow. Yeah. He just assumed his homie was dead. Right. And was like, later, man, I'm going to take a nap. He shelters the rest of the night. And in the morning he found the crevice Joe had fallen into. He calls over and over. Sadly, he receives no reply. Uh Uh-huh. So eventually Joe had to continue his descent. And after only five miles, he makes it back to their base camp. Ouch. Yeah. It's 
So they were that close, but the weather was so harsh. Yeah. The visibility was so low. How could they possibly know how close they were or even what to do? Honestly, like he was kind of forced to do what he did. It would have gotten to the point that either the equipment gave out and they both fell or Joe couldn't fucking hold his position anymore because he was so tense, like trying to keep them both up. It was hard enough just to pull the knife out to cut the rope. They would have both fallen. So he was like, either we both die or only one of us does. Yikes. He made a very difficult, (laughs) very difficult decision. So he gets back to the base camp three days later. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Joe crawls into the base camp. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Joe crawls into base camp just a few hours before Simon was going to give up and start his trek back to civilization. I don't mean give up. I don't think he was waiting for him. I think he was just trying to like get some strength back. Uh Like he was also severely frostbitten, unlike a lot of his body. Yeah. I think he was just trying to like hydrate, eat fucking anything he had and try to regain some strength before he tried to make it back. Yeah. Before he can do that, Joe crawls back into the base camp also. Joe had survived the fall but had lost consciousness and didn't come to until after Simon had stopped calling his name and moved on. Just so happened to work out that way. So he had to rappel further down into the crevice, find a way out of the glacier, and then find his way to camp with a broken leg, with frostbite all over his body, and with no food and water. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I have... I would have just bundled up for the long nap, you know? (laughs) Well, I have actually um, some commentary. Joe describes himself the moment he breaks his leg, the moment he falls into the crevice and his journey through the glacier trying to find base camp. So the moment that he was very thankful for his best friend and the moment that he hated his best friend (laughs) and the moment that he no longer had a best friend. Right. All of those moments. So Joe's description of what happened of him breaking his leg goes as follows. This is his... This is his exact phrasing. It's all all direct quotes. About a third of the way down the ice cliff, I was thinking, don't fall here because Simon was coming down and there was a slack rope between us. I put my right axe in and the ice disintegrated. I landed at the base of the cliff. My right leg locked backwards. My crampons maximizing the force. It punched my tibia up into my femur and it carried on through my knee joint. I... God. I tore my anterior cruciate ligament, damaged my peroneal nerve, destroyed two menisci in my knee, and fractured my heel and ankle. The pain was excruciating. Yeah. I was in denial at first, so I tried to stand and felt all those bones going. When Simon appeared, he asked if I was all right. When I told him I'd broken my leg, his whole expression changed. Before we were equal partners working together, now, suddenly... One of us was an invalid. We had 3,000 feet. We had a 3,000 foot face to get down. And he was thinking I was dead. Simon decides to still do his best to get Joe Mm. down to the bottom of, not the bottom, but back down to base camp. So now Joe describes the 100, over 150 foot drop. Okay. I'd probably lost a quart of blood internally. I was going down as fast as Simon could lower me. Every 150 foot, every 150 feet, the knot joining our two ropes would come up and hit Simon's friction device. That was my signal to get my weight off of the rope. Simon would unclip, 
put the knot on the other side of the device, give three tugs, and start lowering me again. After an hour, we were 300 feet down. So they're moving slowly. Yeah, that's very slow. We only had to do it 10 more times to get to the bottom of the mountain, but we didn't realize we were in line with this ice cliff sticking out from the slope. At 9.30 p.m., Simon lowered me off the edge, and I came to a stop with about 100 and with about 100 feet of air and the shadow of a covered crevice beneath me. The knot had reached the friction device. My weight was on the rope, and he couldn't get the knot over. We were locked in the symptom and going to die. Simon hung on for what seemed like a lifetime, and then I found myself free-falling. Yikes. Yeah. After he lands, basically, free falls, he says, I hit the ridge of the crevice and went through. I smashed into an old collapsed part of the roof and stopped. I saw the hole in the roof, 70 plus feet above me and thought, Simon has gone flying. He's gone. I pulled on the rope, thinking it would come tied to his body. I could use it as a counterweight and climb up the rope. The end of the rope lashed down around me. Simon had cut it. People ask, were you angry with Simon? I wasn't. I thought, thank Christ, Simon's alive. Apart from being just my friend, he was useful to me alive. He might be coming down to look for me. Then I thought to myself, shit, he won't find you in the dark. So you have to scream his name as loudly as you can every five minutes. Crevices are scary places to be in, especially if the thought creeps in that you're not getting out. I had this image of a long death and it burnt me to pieces. I... I'm really quite ashamed because I broke down. By about 9.30 in the morning, I realized Simon should have found me. I tried to climb up, but I couldn't. When I looked down, I could see only darkness. This crevice was a bergschend, which is the separation between the glacier and the mountain's base. Oh, okay. It's not ideal. No. They can, they can be 50 feet or 500 feet deep. I didn't have the courage to just jump off. I clipped my abseal device, but I deliberately chose not to tie a knot in the end of the rope. I thought, look, if I get down there and I'm hanging in space, why would I want to climb back up and spend six days dying? Yeah. Solid. Good point. Right? About 70 feet below, avalanches had created a choke point and a slope that was probably 65 degrees. Um, on this unconsolidated snow, I could manage, I could manage that with hopping jumps. I wasn't considering how to survive, only how to get out. If I was going to die, I wanted to do it in sunlight. I stuck my head out of the crevice at about one o'clock in the afternoon and sat there giggling maniacally. I saw Simon's rope off to the left. He'd abseiled down the glacier. I now knew I was on my own. You don't come back for a corpse. That was a sobering moment. I was a long way from base camp. A mile and a half of crevice glacier, then six and a half miles of moraines, which are mounds of debris, which are left by glaciers and rocks. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to survive, the last thing you need is emotion. It's a waste of energy. Part of me was pragmatic, thinking how far I could go, what state my body was in, and how little food I had. My conclusion was, you won't make it. But I thought, if you die here, you'll be buried in snow, disappear forever. Nobody will ever know what's happened to you. I crawled for the next three and a half days. Jesus. So after all of this, Joe went on to write two books about what happened. Several books just in general, but two books specifically about this event. The first one was called Touching the Void, and it was made into a film. Oh. Now, the both of them obviously were involved giving their testimony, and they watched the film. Simon stated in an interview that he felt let down by it. 
Apparently, the film makes him kind of look like the bad guy, like he's just some asshole who totally abandoned his friend. Yeah. And so he, which I I have to admit, that doesn't seem fair. No, no, no. Look, tough situation. Mm -hmm. Brutal. He was hanging there for over an hour. Yeah. And by over an hour, I mean like every article I read said like, said specifically over an hour. But Simon and Joe in their interviews said it was like about an hour and a half. Like, it's a while. Yeah. He's just sitting there holding position, hoping he doesn't drop him. But eventually it's like, either I do something about this and move on, or I just wait this out and we likely both die. No, which I'm sure they both understood. For sure. Like, I think roles reversed, the same thing would have been done. Well, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. So Simon stated he, he felt let down. He was kind of painted to be this like total asshole. Yeah. He's quoted saying, I think people read or think far too much into it. Really? The actual decision wasn't really a decision. The layman gets very excited about the morality of the decision without completely understanding the extremity of the mountain environment, environment and the position you are in. Joe himself has defended Simon several times. Quote, would I have cut the rope in Simon's situation? Without a doubt. My only criticism is that it took him more than an hour to remember that the only knife we had was in the top pocket of his rucksack. The real question is if I had it in my rucksack and I could feel that Simon was being pulled down by my my weight, would I have cut the rope to save him? I don't think I would. Oh, that's a good point. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, like, we were both just thinking about our own survival. That's kind of what it comes down to. Like, how many lives can we save? Sometimes the life you're going to save is your own. Where, like, where are the odds leaning? He's like, so I don't, basically, I don't blame Simon for making the decision he made. I would have made the same one. Well, look, lesson learned. Everyone bring a knife with you. (laughs) Everywhere (laughs) you go, there should never be only one knife in someone's rucksack. There should be a knife in everyone's. Everyone should have a knife in their rucksack. Everyone. <laughs> That's it. That is my story. Well, I uh, mean, look, we learned some valuable lessons. I am sorry to report, though, that they aren't friends anymore. Oh, why not? Um, I It didn't really state why Joe went on to, like I said, write several books. There's a movie made out of the first book. He's now a motivational speaker. He tours the world speaking motivationally. Simon, not so much. He's still... A mountain climber. They went. They both went on to continue to do what they loved. Um, but Simon said that after the movie, they kind of just stopped talking. Makes sense. And he he's quoted saying that basically they just don't have anything in common anymore. They kind of well, yeah. they handled what happened. One's a very asshole douchebag, and the other one's a famous author. The way the public sees it. Yeah, <laughs> because he that's what that's specifically the issue he had. He's like, there are these captions that pop up at the end of the movie. So he's like, the movie ends and then the screen goes black and these white letters come up all slowly onto the screen and say Simon Yates went on to receive a lot of criticism from the mountain climbing yeah. you know, community. He's like, that's not true. Like no mountain climber, no other climber has had an issue with me. He's like, I've got plenty of support on what I did, including from Joe. Yeah. But I mean, put yourself in that situation. Would you do it? I I Probably. have no survival training, so I don't know that I'd even think about it. No, I'm saying, would you cut your homie off the rope? Maybe. If I sat there, there's nothing else to do. 
and it's either both of us. You don't or have one the strength to pull two bodies up. Yeah. That's another note because I didn't, I think specifically I didn't note this because I didn't want to like reveal to you beforehand that Joe survived. Uh huh. But Joe was trying to like make things easier on him while he was hanging. He was trying to climb back up the rope because he mm. still had his arms, but like his fingers, his hands yeah. were so frostbitten, he couldn't fucking do it. Like he, he was trying to do it like the smart way. Pick yourself up only a little bit, tie a knot, pick yourself up only a little bit, tie a knot, rise up little by little, inchworm your way back up to where you need to be. He tried and he couldn't do it. There was just, there was nothing that could be done. He couldn't see, he couldn't tie, his fingers were all numb. It just wasn't going to happen. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with them like that. I don't know anything about mountain climbing, but that makes sense to me. Well, I know for a fact, if I was them, I would never be a mountain climber. (laughs) (laughs) If you were a mountain climber, you just never would be one. No, I'd, I'd stay in the gyms. And right inside you just you know wall climb like jason momoa yeah okay or like some i can have my my homies at the bottom like just holding up my little rope mm-hmm. and if you fall you're just gonna I'm land just dangling. on the, I'm you're just like, not, ah. you're, you either dangle or you land on the little gym gym pad the floor yeah. pad the blue one they slowly let you down mm-hmm. your little little shameful dangle <laughs> I've dangled shamefully before. <laughs> I was like 12 and I was like, I want to do the hard one, the hard wall. And then, you know, before I even got like halfway up, I fell. Yeah. I, I shame dangled all the way to the bottom. <laughs> the shame dangle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It is time for the break. Yes. I need a snack. I have to pee. I don't have to pee. I need a snack. I need food. I'll probably snack too, but just not on anything light or not on anything. Oh, under- damn. You going ham? You going ham on this break? I don't want ham. I, I, what I mean is I'll probably like exclusively snack on light things because I'm not hungry. I don't feel like I need a snack. But if I see you eating, I I will also feel like I have to eat. Oh, I just know myself. Personally, I was thinking like if I was sober enough, I would totally go and get food. But order I'm it. Not, so you can't. It's too late. Whataburger's open. Yeah, Whataburger's open. But there's no post. I will look up right now. I guarantee you there's not a single postman out there. Just give Terry 20 bucks. Available later. No postman is, is is out and about. Well, you have your you out oh shit. Maybe I'll have like a corn dog or some taquitos. Corn dogs really do the trick. It's, so. that, it's that cornbread. It's like so processed. It takes care of all your problems. Yeah, sounds really good actually. I'm gonna have a corn dog later, bitches. See you in a minute. <laughs> Read the second one. Would you rather start all your sentences in a really childish voice with my mommy told me or moan really sexually every time you finish a sentence? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to moan really sexually. You have to talk to your mother. Hey, mom, how was work today? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. want to say my mommy told me because I could just tell people I had Tourette's and I could still have a normal job. I could just say that I have Tourette's. (laughs) Dad, did you guys finish remodeling your pool? (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, this is Sober Jake. Sober Jess. So life happened and (laughs) we paused the recording 
of this episode and continued it another day. Here we are. Yes. The last episode you heard was the uh, episode with Ricky and Sam. And in that episode, we call it episode 20. That would have been correct. It would have been had we not only done half of only done half of this. One. <laughs> yeah. So consider this episode 19.5, or but it will be 20 also. Last one. Well, what we called episode 20 was actually 19 because we switched it. Yes, that's correct. This would have been the 19th episode. It is, in fact, now the 20th. It is. It is the 20th episode now. Yes. Has been upgraded. Mm-hmm. An episode number. And so because we are sober, we are taking three more shots during this break time <laughs> so that we can, you know, still be three shots in. That's our longest break on record. Yeah. What? Uh... Eight days. Eight days. An eight day break. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. Same, actually. Here we go. And we're drinking the same filth that we drank. Absolute. The first time we garbage. started this episode. Yeah. Um, not feeling too excited. No, I'm not feeling it at all. I actually kind of want to trade out. I've got like. You got some flat lukewarm. It's not lukewarm. It's, it's diet soda, diet cola blast. And yeah. it's a little cold, but it's not icy. And I feel like that's what I need. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the fridge and I'm going to get a new can. <laughs> okay. I'll be right back. I'm just not looking forward to this at all. I know. Down the hatch. Shot one. Shot four, four. for you, but one for us. <laughs> God, fuck me. Wow. That was oh, oh boy. Yeah. Very hot. It's already coating all of my stomach. There's so much stir fry in here. Oh, God. So we just got... A message on Instagram. Uh, one of our longtime yeah. listeners DM'd us. He slipped right into our DMs. Ooh, who was it? Luke Emmanuel. Oh, uh-huh. He says, Jake's monologue on alcohol being everything sounded uncomfortably like Robert California's monologue <laughs> on sex being everything. Painful. <laughs> <laughs> I have compared myself to Robert California. Many times. More times than the average person, I think. I don't know. Something about him is just relatable, you know? No. F, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> to take the next I'm one? I'm scared for more. Oh, boy. That hurt. It burnt so much. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take shot two. I'm going to go pee. I'm going to come back, and we're going to take shot three. Mm-hmm. Got it? Yeah, I do. Just got to, like, meditate that this will be a perfectly fine shot. Okay. This will be fine. Just will it into this existence. This will be fine. This will be fine. This will be fine. I don't believe it. I'm lying to myself. Well, don't lie to yourself. This is going to be awful. So many flashbacks to Drunken Nights in 29 Palms. Ironically, flashbacks to the freezer in the Starbucks. Did you take shots while working at Starbucks? Yeah. Wow. A lot, actually. Damn. Well, there's a BevMo right next door. All right, shot three. Oh, God. You think if I just stare at it for a long time that it won't hurt? I'll give it a try. I'll let you know when it's time. I feel like it's going to be meaner to me. Shot three. Here we go. Motherfucker. Oh, God. I think it worked. That one wasn't as bad. I disagree. This third shot's hitting me harder than I thought. Honestly, I can't feel my lips. (laughs) 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 It was pretty quick. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember the research I did. So are you ready to spin the wheel? Yes. Are you ready to come out of this break and yes. spin it? I think we're properly drunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So let's give it a little spin. Oh, my hand slipped. 
Did you get a splinter? I got a splinter that last well, time. I didn't get a splinter. I just, I slipped like I missed. Okay. I went to spin it and nothing happened because I'm not going to lie. I kind of want you to get a splinter. I don't want to splinter. I think it's unfair that I'm the only one who's had one. Well, Ricky like almost broke his finger on it the first time he was on. Yeah, I know. But I think he's just, it's, he's intimidated by it. That's true. It's a lot of pressure. He's scared of the wheel. Yeah. All right. We got, uh, this one was a write-in from TJ. What drink sums you up now that's a weird question i have no idea what it means so (laughs) you take that okay and you can you can you can understand anything from it okay so i what what i think i'm gonna do with it is uh like a two-parter number one what is your favorite drink and then number two what drink would you be if the like ingredients (laughs) wise you were a drink Okay. What drink would you be? Um, so my, favorite and then yeah, what are you? Right. My favorite, I would say, is um, it's tough, but I'm going to say my favorite is uh, a gin and tonic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. With a, 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 a twist of lime. I mean, not even just a twist, like a generous amount of uh-huh. lime. But as far as what drink I am. Yeah. What drink re- are you? Best represented by. I'm feeling a dark and stormy. Now, it's not because of the name. I don't find myself dark and stormy. Uh-huh. It's more that, you know, you got a little like spiced rum in there. It's dark. I'm myself a little brown. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I got I got a little spice. Yeah, you're spicy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a little there's a little twist, you know, a little a little something fun. Uh-huh. You know, you got that little like like squeeze of lime in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Wait, I'm forgetting the ingredients of a dark and stormy. You, you got two the of them. Soda. There's only one it's more. It's fizzy. It's fizzy and fun. It's fizzy dark, and fun. but it's fun. Okay. I think that's me. All right. So for me, favorite drink, Moscow Mule, hands down. It's amazing when I make it. It's amazing when I order it. Always amazing. Haven't had a bad Moscow Mule. Yeah. I love ginger beer. Same. I would drink ginger beer like straight out the bottle if I wasn't planning on using it for a Moscow mule. Truthfully, that was my very close second. Yeah. They're so good. Really so delicious. Good. And then the drink that sums me up, I feel, I feel like it would be, I would, I, I think I would be like a Jack and Coke. Okay. Why? I'm simple. Mm-hmm. Everyone claims to like it and most are slightly disappointed by it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. If I had to pick one for you, uh-huh. I I would say, I gotta think. I gotta really think about it. Hold on. Buttery nipple. That- I've never tried one. I really couldn't say. Oh, neither have I. It's just, it was just the name, really. Do you want to be associated with a buttery nipple? Do I want to be a buttery nipple? Yeah. <laughs> Only <laughs> of one. Of course. Just a single nipple. Just one nipple. I mean, do you have an idea of which nipple? Exactly? It would definitely be my left nipple. Would need to be buttery. It would be. It would be the butteriest. That would be the best representation of you. Yeah. Okay. Um. Personally. I think you would be a uh, whiskey sour. Okay. Because it's not particularly friendly, but for some oh. reason, everyone likes it. Oh, that's a good point. Everybody. Everybody's down with whiskey sours. Yeah. They love it. They welcome it. But when they hear all the ingredients, they're kind of grossed out. <laughs> <laughs> it brings good times, you know, but like the first few sips, it like takes them time to warm up. Of the first few sips, they're like, this is being mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this burning a little more than I expected? And then slowly but surely, yeah. the, the burns just like you're unaffected by them. 
you've come to understand that the burns, it's just part of the personality of this whiskey sour. Yeah, that was good. That was a good, good, good summary for me. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I changed my answer to whiskey sour. You're a whiskey sour. Yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, that was... Well, I mean, do you have a drink for me? Was I wrong? pretty spot on. No, that was good. That was good. Was I wrong in choosing the dark and stormy? See, for you, we want something... It's got to be... Oh, okay. For you, the drink that sums you up, it's going to be a jalapeno <laughs> Moscow mule. Okay. Okay. Now it's, you know, you smell it. It's spicy. You know, it's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you take that sip, very fizzy, very bubbly, and it, it, it it's great. Yeah. Each sip is just great. You don't know why you, you thought you were going to hate it, why you wanted to hate it, but you, you just don't hate it. It's great, you know, and you tell all you tell your friends that they need to try it. All of them say you're crazy for wanting this drink, but you're happy with it, you know. So it sounds like what you're saying (laughs) is that I come across as something no one will like, but everyone is surprised that they do. Yeah. Okay. Like like this, this drink is you you see them making it at the bar and you're like, oh, fuck, like. Yikes. But then you're very happy with it, you know? Yeah. I am more sure than I was before that you're a whiskey sour. (laughs) (laughs) Got a lot of bite. Yeah. Like, wow, this is very bitter. I don't know if I'm going to warm up to this properly. And then you get like not even halfway through it. You get like maybe maybe a fifth of the way into that drink. And you're like, I'm warming up to this. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. It's true. People warm up to me too quickly, if in my opinion. Well, it's because you're predictable. Like no one's surprised anymore. Well, not maybe they don't know me. Everyone knows you. We know you. That's true. I have an incredibly successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're Jake, you're on the Y list. Yeah. Not the Z. Uh-uh. The Y. I'm a Y lister. I don't know though. We we're at a thousand downloads. Like I feel like we moved up another rank. We're, that is we're, literally only because we keep consistently putting it up. We're an X lister now. And that sounds a little pornographic. So I'm going to take us one step right above that. Nah, let's embrace the W list. W lister. (laughs) Say that five times fast. W lister, W lister, W lister, W lister, W lister. You did it. Good job. Yes. (laughs) All right. Yes. All right. I want to hear your story. You want to hear. Who survived? Stories. Stories. Now I'm looking at the names that I wrote down. I recall vague details. It was eight days ago. It was a while ago. And this research was done before then. So, yikes. It's okay. That means you'll be just as surprised as me. I will be. Yeah. So we're in this together this time. It's fun. Unity. Ooh, unity. (laughs) So the first story is taking place in January of 1999 in Yorkshire, Virginia. I was eight. I was two. Yes. Oh, no, I wasn't even two yet. I was almost two. (laughs) Uh, Stacy Reed, 16 years old, was living a normal life, going to high school and spending time with her boyfriend. Okay. Stacy's friend, Paul Warner Powell, discovered that Stacy's boyfriend was black and became very upset by this. <gasps> oh no. Paul Warner Powell was 21 years old at this time. This is the friend who's racist. This is the racist friend. Okay. That was not down with Stacy dating a black man. Got it. Okay. When Stacy got home from school one day, Paul Warner Powell attacked her in <gasps> her home. Powell allegedly raped Stacy. Oh. 
and then stabbed her repeatedly in the chest. Powell then poured himself a glass of iced tea. He lit himself a cigarette and he sat down and he waited until Stacy's 14-year-old sister would return home. Oh my God. Christy Reed, being Stacy's 14-year-old sister, <laughs> returned home about two hours later and entered through the back door. Oh, I was waiting for a little pun. It's cool. Went through the I, back door. I'm just, I want to know if she dies. Because this is an I survived, not an I died. I know. It's, it's brutal. Powell obviously attacked Christy. He dragged her to the basement where he then raped her, strangled her, stabbed her in the stomach, and slashed her throat. Oh. Powell left the house with both girls bleeding out. When their stepfather got home, he discovered Stacy's body and called 911. Gotta do a page flip. My God, this got crazy so fast. Uh, the stepfather found Christy's body and realized that she was in fact still alive. <gasps> oh my God. Stacy had already bled out. Oh. Christy was rushed to the hospital where they managed to save her life. Christy was the younger sister. Christy was the 14 year old, the younger one, who was beaten, raped, strangled, stabbed, and had her throat slashed. God. Yeah. She has a brutal scar on her throat as a result, Uh, but she was able to testify against Paul Warner Powell. Powell was convicted of capital murder, meaning it was punishable by death. Good. But this was thrown out by the Virginia Supreme Court because there was insufficient evidence to prove that Powell had raped Stacy, hmm. the older sister. So capital murder, I think I wrote down explain capital murder, but this was a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was like murder mixed with other felonies. So okay. like if you rape and murder, that's a capital punishment, in, at least in Virginia. Um, so since there was no proof that he had raped Stacy, he just murdered her. Then there was no proof that he murdered Christy because she's alive. So it was just rape. At least attempted murder. You can't deny but that's her not wounds. Cap- that's, not, that's not capital punishment. Uh, in Virginia, at least. That sucks. So Powell was guilty of murder, rape, and attempted murder and was given three life sentences. Okay. He's never leaving, basically. Yeah. However, Powell then admitted that he did rape Stacy and boasted about believing and boasted about it uh, to his cellmates and other people believing that he was protected by double jeopardy. Can't be charged with the same crime twice. Well, I'm afraid he wasn't charged with rape Except the first time around. Except he wasn't charged with it. <laughs> and alas, Powell was indicted, found guilty of capital murder, and sentenced to death. And he was executed by the electric chair in March 2010. Good, <laughs> fucking idiot. I know, right? Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, and they, they now have like some foundation in Stacy's name and- all sorts of stuff. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Fucking brutal, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm glad like he was a absolute dumbass. Yeah. I, I am glad that is a person who doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But I am very sad that Stacy also isn't around. I know. I know. Very sad. We are going to move on to the second story. Okay. Okay. This is about. That was Mar- a quick one. Yeah, it was. It was quick. That's why I have two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marguerite de la Rock. This is a French woman. In 1541, taken way back, almost 600 years ago. Damn. A French noblewoman named Marguerite de la Roque set sail to the New World on the ship captained by her cousin, Jean-Francois de la Roque. Okay. Marguerite was a single woman with vast wealth. Mm. While on the journey, she was caught boning one of the shipmates. I mean, it gets lonely. Gets lonely. What else is there to do? The captain and cousin, Jean-Francois, 
either out of anger, jealousy, or greed, decided that Marguerite needed to be punished. Marguerite, her shipmate lover, and her maidservant were marooned on the Isle of Demons off the coast of Canada. What? Today, this island okay. is- why is there um, an Isle of Demons off the coast of Canada? That's just what it's called. I'm about to explain where it is now. Okay. In 1541, it was known as the Isle of Demons. I can't imagine any demons off the coast of Canada. <laughs> Today, the island is part of the Caribou Islands. Why it was known as the Isle of Demons, I couldn't find. <laughs> I could not find that I mean, anywhere. that's going to be something we, we discover at some point. Maybe. After building or finding some sort of shelter, Marguerite and her lover kept on fucking... Like you do. What did the maidservant do? She probably hung out. Maybe she like- Provided coconuts. And maybe she like played with the balls or something. I don't know. Maybe she like joined in, you know, did a little ass eating, what have you. I don't want to think about that. I'm good. She was a maidservant, Jessica. She did whatever she was told, probably. (laughs) Rolled over, went to sleep. Maybe. Pretend nothing was happening. Oh, maybe maybe they were like voyeurs. Maybe they wanted her to watch, you know? Okay, we can move on. I don't want to think about what maidservant did anymore. Well, (laughs) eventually, Marguerite became pregnant. Marguerite had the baby with little to no complications, which was a surprising feat in 1541. Yeah. The now party of four would continue hunting for food and try their best to survive. But unfortunately, the baby wouldn't make it. And soon the shipmate and the maidservant died also. Oh, no. Marguerite is alone. She's all alone on the Isle of Demons. But Marguerite was able to survive on the island for two years by herself. Before being spotted by fishermen, the men rescued Marguerite and took her back to France. Upon her return, Marguerite became a small celebrity due to her unbelievable story, and she would go on to become a schoolmistress and live out the rest of her days in the Chateau de la Moth. So, in comfort, it sounds like. Yeah, she's still rich. (laughs) (laughs) She was still incredibly wealthy when she got back. Well, good for Marguerite. So she had a a rough three years. Yeah. (laughs) But she made it. Wow. And she survived. <laughs> Short stories, but incredible. I actually really liked both of those. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed them too. That's why I, I did them. Mm-hmm. We did have one survival story we wanted to share. Oh, that's you true. Remember. You know a lot more details of it, but I remember I did hear you talk about it and then you made me watch the episode of... I need to look it up. I Survived? Is that what it was It was an called? episode of I Survived. Yeah. It was the craziest episode I have ever seen. Because usually, you know, on I Survived, you just, oh my God. So apparently this took place in 1978. And it is the survival story of a, a girl. She was not a woman at the time. She was actually 15 when all this happened. Oh, shit. 15. Yeah, didn't know that part. A woman named Mary, well, girl named Mary Vincent. It sounded like she had, she lived in kind of a troubled house fighting a lot with her parents, a lot of disagreements. Can't remember any other details besides that. But either way, uh, at 15, she was hitchhiking from Las Vegas to California. Idiot. Someone stops to pick her up. Uh It's this man. He looks a little older. She's not immediately threatened by him. Seems friendly. She gets into his van. And this person, I guess, was uh, 50-year-old Lawrence Singleton. Uh Uh-huh. So they drove for quite some time and eventually she realized he was not taking her to California at all. In fact, she started to notice that wherever they were driving, it was further and further away from civilization. Ah. So it was like, oh, so I have a lot to worry about right now. Like, it's possible that this dude just forgot where I was going and is just headed 
to where he was going in the first place. Forgot that I needed to go somewhere different. She wanted to think the best, you know, like not immediately think this dude is going to do the worst to me. Uh Uh-huh. Dead wrong. He pulls over in the middle of nowhere. He, uh, of course, attacks her, Uh rapes her. And uh, at some point she tries to escape. She ends up trying to run away from the van. He pulls an ax out from the back of this van and chases her. They have an altercation. They struggle. He ends up hacking off both of her arms. Yeah. Somewhere around the elbow. Both of them, Jacob. You remember. I do. Okay. So somehow she ends up living through all of this. Okay. She ends up like, I'm pretty sure in the story, this, what I'm looking at right now, this article doesn't actually walk through it, but I remember the episode pretty well because it was so shocking to me. She ends up like. I remember it was like, she like played dead or something. Yeah. Basically she, she like rolls, rolled she, her down yeah, the hill. She, she ends up falling. Okay. She's bleeding out. She legitimately like she's dizzy, the shock going on, blood loss, all that stuff. He thinks she's dead. She ends up like falling backwards and she rolls down this like super steep hill. He goes all the way down there to see if she really is dead. She's like stark naked still because after he raped her, he had like tied her up in the back of the van or something. I can't remember. She's stark naked now with no arms rolls down the hill. She's covered in like dirt and mud and stuff scratches. She's all like bleeding in other places too. Now covered in blood, covered, covered in mud. He finds her at the bottom of this hill, thinks she's dead. She's not. And she is actually still awake for the whole thing too. So she just keeps her eyes closed. He ends up hiding her body in this, like, I can't remember. It was like this little, like underneath this overhang or something, or in in this little like divot in this rock formation. I can't remember exactly. Um, but it was at the base of either a rock formation or a hill or something. So she's hidden away, Mm. still surrounded by mud. She waits a little bit for him to leave, waits till she doesn't hear him walking around, then opens her eyes, moves around. She like stops up her stumpy arms that are still bleeding with mud in order to stop the bleeding. She packs mud on her wounds, on her like chopped arms, crawls out. It takes her forever, but she manages to climb back up the hill with all this gets back up to the highway and starts walking with her arms raised up in the air in order to divert blood from these, these open wounds. Mm -hmm. And at one point someone does drive by, but if you can just imagine what that would look like. Oh yeah. He was terrified. It was two dudes. She said in this, like it was like a, like a muscle car of some kind, like a convertible or something that they drove past her and they slowed down at first, but then they fucking like sped away from her because they thought she was some kind of demon or ghost or something. She, she was like, I don't blame them at all. Actually. She's like, I must've looked like terrifying because she had her stumps raised up as high as she could up in the air to divert blood from them so that she wouldn't continue to bleed out. She was covered in dirt, covered in blood, completely naked. Like she must've looked like some kind of demon, but eventually the second person to pass her, people to pass her was this uh, like recently married couple Uh that were actually like traveling on their honeymoon. Yikes. They see her pull over right away and they go and they grab her. They wrap her up in a towel and they immediately rush her to the hospital. She lives through the whole thing. She's able to testify against this dude. They catch him and it's, you know, she 
she's doing well now. She's married. She has kids, all that stuff. Like it, it was just, it was the craziest survival story I'd ever heard. And at 15 and having like, I can assume only like a basic knowledge of how to well, survive. In the 70s, you couldn't even watch any Bear Grylls. That's what know? I'm saying. Like you didn't just like, you know, happen to see an episode of some random survival show. She just, she had that common sense and like the will to survive yeah. overtook and she did it, man. Like that was crazy to me. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. So she's actually doing okay now. That's and I'm good. pretty sure since then the guy who did all that stuff to her has died. I'm not mm, sure. Good. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, how could you possibly do that to somebody? But yeah. Are you ready for the final wheel spin? I am ready for this wheel spin. Do it. There we go. Oh, we landed on one of yours. <laughs> Which one? Trade lives for a day, but must sex. <laughs> you can trade lives with this person, but you must fornicate with them also. Wow. I'm trying to think whose life I would want. You're like, wow, I want to be the president. And it's like, you could, but you, you got to fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Honestly, like fornication aside, I would not want to live a day as the president. That sounds no, terrible. Would I. Uh, but you could if you wanted to. Right. Right. I had an answer for this when I suggested it. As soon as we like I threw it out there and you approved it and we put it on the wheel, I had an answer. And I like that answer stuck with me for a long time. I was waiting for this and it's fucking gone right now. It's freaking gone. It's freaking gone. I don't remember now. Hold on. Whose life do I want? I don't know. I mean, you let me you jump in if you think of one sooner than me. I mean, I got I got two. Oh, wow. Easy. Okay. Easy. Ryan Reynolds and or Blake Lively. <laughs> Either way, I'm getting the same life. <laughs> okay. Well, think of it this way. Either you. One is a forced sexual encounter. The other one's optional. You know what either I mean? Either you fornicate with Ryan Reynolds one time and get his life for a day, meaning you have now the capability to fornicate Blake Lively many that's, times. That's correct. Or you fornicate Blake Lively only one time and may be forced by Ryan Reynolds to fornicate <laughs> him several times in the You're day right. that you take her life. You're right. All right. So then it would it would have to be. Just bite the bullet. It would be Ryan Reynolds. Fornicate with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds is who I would trade lives with. But must sex. We would have a brutal encounter. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there'd be a Fight lot of. Fight for dominance. Oh, yeah. There'd be a lot of pain involved. And then I would have one day as the glorious, sarcastic bastard that is Ryan Reynolds. I would live up to the name too. No one would notice. Who is married to Blake Lively. Who is married to Blake Lively. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think like whose life just seems awesome or even just interesting. I'm going to need a minute. It's taking me longer than usual. Take your time. I think I got it. It's the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's one better, but I've spent enough time trying to think of it. Just going to pull the trigger. Okay. All right. The woman who's married to Channing Tatum. I don't remember. No, I, I got no it. Idea. I don't remember her name, but she's a killer dancer. Like she's a really, really good dancer. Oh, I see. I know you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And she's super cute. So we would do it one time. Right. Then for a whole day, I would be a dancer. Honestly, that's the most attractive thing to me. I would be a really good dancer and I'd uh -huh. look awesome dancing also. And then as far as like being married to Channing Tatum, that's honestly not super alluring to me. He's just way smoother than I like him. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I, I'm not, I'm not into it, yeah, but like, I doubt he's bad at it. You know what I like mean? Like the rugged leather type? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. He's just, he, there's nothing to grab onto. You know what I mean? It's not, not usually my type, but I doubt he's bad at it. You know, she's with him. Maybe he's the worst. He could absolutely be the worst. And if that was the case, you know, I just say I had like a headache or something and I bet he totally back off. Uh, and then I just go out dancing and I'd look killer. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. When I'm Ryan Reynolds, I would make so many YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would watch them too. And I would, the I would send them out be like, you quick, like edit mm -hmm. this, put it out now, edit it now. I want it out in just an hour. You could go out and create like an impromptu prank YouTube video with Jake Gyllenhaal where you oh, just prank yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel like I'd have a great time being Ryan Reynolds yeah. for a day. Mm -hmm. Maybe not now during, oh no, even now during the quarantine, because like I said, YouTube videos, I would just, I just pound them out mm -hmm. and then pound Blake Lively also. <laughs> a lot of pounding happening. Those are solid answers. I think so. That was a pretty solid wheel spin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think that wraps up the second part to this recording. Yeah. About. Yep. We did it. Just like the drinks that really sums oh, it all it up. It was literally an hour and a half, exactly like you thought. Boom. <laughs> now, of course, for you guys. Genius, genius, it's genius. It's going to seem like at most 40 minutes. The second part? Yeah. Yeah. The second part would have been short edited wise. Yeah. We had, we had a big old rant. Yep. <laughs> uh, but you guys probably won't hear that. I think I'm going to, because I'm typically the one who edits. I'm going to separate that and make that a deleted scene. We went on and on about things unrelated to the main topic. A deleted scene that you can find on Patreon. Patreon. ThreeShotsIn.com. Go to it. It'll take you to our Patreon and you can give us money. money and get yourself, please. give your ears what they want, which is our deleted scenes. You know you want it. We know you want it. And we've got it. We're waiting to give it to you. Absolutely. So jump on and treat yourself. Ah. Uh. Treat yourself 2020. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, and also just to reiterate, because um, I don't think we actually said it in the beginning of this episode. If at, if anyone, any one of you would like to reach out to us with any anything you would like to communicate to us, whether that be suggestions, anything at all, it will be fan, at fanmail at threeshotsin.com. Go ahead and send us an email. We'll review it. We'll reply to you whatever you'd like to say. Uh, and that about wraps it up. Yeah, it does. Thanks for listening. This has been episode 20. This has been 20. The real one. It's corrected. It is episode 20. Yes. That's right. No that, one's, no one listens at all. No. When we say that an episode is a certain number. No, but no one's I, paying attention. I'm, I'm fairly positive on this one. But we will make sure that you guys are aware if this is episode 20, and it is because we checked many times. Yes. That means we only have five more episodes. I'm sorry, four more episodes before episode 25, which will be our season finale. Season finale. We have got some really cool things planned. We're still in talks. We're working stuff out, but it is going to be really cool, really exciting. I am very excited for it. You guys stand by. Make sure you tune in uh, and prepare yourself because there are only five episodes left in this season. That's right. And we do plan on having a season two and it's going to oh. be, it's going to be a, just a little different. We got, we got things in the works. Mm -hmm. It's, it will be different in a better way. Not in, so. not in a bad way. Right. I think so. Not in like a, not in like a, a reboot kind of way, you know, <laughs> yeah, Right. different in like a good way. I don't, I can't, I can't think <laughs> I, of, no, I can't I, think they, of words. That got but, the gist. No, you, yeah. you got, you hit the nail on the head. The good kind. The good kind of. Yeah. Uh, 
Whoa, excuse me. Say it again. The good kind. The good kind. Yeah. I'm not removing the burp. You're going to remove gonna the burp. It's going to stay. Okay. Well, if the burp stays, then. You forced that. I did. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next time. All right. Till well, next we won't time. see you actually, no. but you will hear us next time. We will be in your ears and your cars and in your minds. Yeah. And in your dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the kissing sound. <laughs> uh, that might be a fun little experiment. Play us when you're trying to like fall asleep. Yeah. And we'll, then we'll speak to you in your dreams. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a purely ASMR recording one day just so that you can go to sleep. Yep. Maybe get off on our no, ASMR no, voices. No, no, we'll move right past it. Never mind. Forget everything I said. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in again. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Dip, 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 dip.